Well, a very warm welcome to every one of you this morning. You're looking absolutely wonderful. And to our family that is there at the conference center, a very warm welcome to you. I don't know if you've been watching our senior pastor, a.k.a. Tiger Torrance, as he has been uh, involved in the CrossFit competition in the United States. How many of you have been able to see some of it? I see some of you. Aren't you so proud of your pastor? Man, I tell you what, we were shouting. I was watching with some family. It was absolutely awesome. And, you know, he's hired the best commentator to follow his progress. It's family, but uh, I tell you, I, I, we were just laughing. Like he was rowing, and then they were saying... He was rowing like he was being chased by a hippo. And only, only people in Africa can relate to that. But we are so appreciative of our senior pastors. Can we give God thanks for them this morning? I know I say it all the time, but we have the best pastors in the whole wide world. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we thank you for your word to us. We understand, God, that... You speak to us through your word. Your word is your voice. And you don't really wish us to do life here on earth without knowing your word, your voice, your will, your purpose for our lives. As we come to your word this morning, I thank you that your word would speak to every single person here today. And we open up our hearts we push all the disappointment of the week aside by your help this morning and we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, would you speak with us? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? Would you lead us in Jesus' name? And everyone says, amen and amen and amen. Family, portions of today's sermon is in the notes, but we've got a bit of a different sermon this morning. So we'll do the first bit on the church app. If you do have the church app, that would be good for us to meet together there. And then you, we will see the rest of, of the sermon unfold in drama. Hebrews, rather Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. We're going to look this morning at beauty kissed the beast. Beauty kissed the beast. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, it is through the son Jesus at the cost of his own blood that we are redeemed, freely forgiven through that full and generous grace which has overflowed into our lives and opened our eyes to the truth. Words this morning cannot begin to describe the giving nature of God, which is never-ending. God is a never-ending giver. The kindness and the beauty of God is seen in the way that he deals with those that are bound and those that are afflicted. If you really want to know how kind God is, how gracious he is, then let's see how God deals with the bound with the afflicted, with those that are far away, with those that, that have turned their back on God. How does God deal with such a people? Does God have enough grace this morning, family, 
to reach out to those that are alone, to reach out to those that are forsaken. Can God do anything to help a people who do not seek after God? Is there any hope for those that are far away? And Jesus gives us the answer in a very short tale. We call them parables. A very short tale of a father with two sons. And family, this is that story. Once there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that I will come or that will come to me. So he divided up his property between the two of them. We're going to freeze. What was this younger son asking of his father? It was a relational outrage. What this son was saying was, Father, I want what you've got, but I don't want you. I want what you have, but I, I don't want you. Give me the share of my property. That was the property that was his birth portion. That is what would be given to him when his father passes on. And what that son was doing this morning, family, was a relational outrage because he wanted the property, but he didn't want the love of the father. What he was saying to the father is, I wish you were dead. I want you out so that I can get what you have. I want you out, father, so that I can get what you have. It was shocking. This son was weary of restraint. This son was panting for independence. Give me my life and I'm going to leave. So the young man was after control. How many of you understand this morning that the essence of sin is that we want to be our own master? We want all the good things, but we don't want God. We want God out of the equation. But family, it's what the father does that is also equally shocking. Because the father should have said, boy, you want what? You asking for what? Now, what they would have done is he would have taken out a stick and he would have applied the rod of correction and he would have thrown him out because biblical culture at the time is a shame culture. It, you, you had a standing in the eyes of everybody else. When the son of a father asks for everything he's, he's got, in the eyes of the community, they would have ridiculed the father. What kind of a father are you? He, there would have been ridicule for the son. What kind of a son is he? If that father was an ordinary father, that father would have taken a stick, given him a good old-fashioned hiding, and sent him out. Would have said, out you go. You have no place in this family, and you have no place in this community. But what the father does is amazing. He takes his inheritance, gives him a portion, gives him a portion, and in his wisdom, 
this father knew that what he would do was teach his son a lesson. That the light yoke that he has here will soon be replaced by a heavy one in order that he would come back. And so the story continues. Before very long, the younger son collected all his belongings and went off to a foreign land where he squandered his wealth in the wildest extravagance. The Bible tells us that what he really did is he just took his money and he squandered it. It's like taking those forks that the farmers would use to winnow wheat and they would take that fork and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow the wheat away and that's what that son was doing. He was squandering money and the story continues. And when he had run through all his money, a terrible famine arose in that country and he began to feel the pinch. Then he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He got to the point of longing to stuff himself with the food that the pigs were eating, and not a soul gave him anything. Family, it was when that young man's resources came to an end that the realities of life hit him. Because the Bible says that when he had run out of everything, a famine came into that land. I hear the echoes of the story of Jonah. The storm didn't come in the life of Jonah before he got into the boat. The storm only came when he was in the boat. In other words, when he had made that decision to run away from God, God sent the storm. And God allowed him to get in so that God could get him out. God allowed him to run out of everything so that he could come out of it. And then he was taking care of the pigs. What a job for a Jew. He fed the pigs in the pig pen. This was repulsive to a law-abiding Jew. It was an unclean occupation. The rabbis would teach, cursed is the man who rears the pigs. It was not the kind of job a Jew would want. And so we see a stark image. We see the fat pigs, but we see an impoverished son. And so the story continues. Then he came to his senses and cried aloud, why dozen of my father's hired men have got more food than they can even eat? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have done wrong in the sight of heaven and in your eyes. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Please take me back as one of your hired men. When, when the son comes to his senses this morning, family, he realizes that what he has done is he's broken his relationship with the father. Do you notice how he was thinking about his father? David said, 
when he sinned against God. And in Psalms chapter 51, verse 4, he said, Against you and you only have I sinned. What this young boy realized was that he was away from home. Home is a relationship. It's a place where we belong. It's a place where we are accepted. And just like this young man, there are many people who are spiritually away from home. They're trying to create their home. They're trying to look for substitutes. But I've discovered that ultimate love and acceptance is to be found at home with Jesus Christ. Can I say that again, family? Ultimate love and acceptance is found at home with Jesus. Exile is the story of the Bible. Have a look at the Bible. Adam and Eve, they were exiled. Cain, Cain was exiled. Joseph was exiled. The Israelites, when they were enslaved in Egypt, they were exiled. David was a fugitive under the hand of King Saul, exiled. But God is the God who meets you in your exile and he brings you home. He's the God who delights to bring you home and home is with Jesus. Let me tell you this morning, it is always better with Jesus. Can you say that with me this morning, church? It is always better with Jesus. Would you say it one more time? It is always better with Jesus. Everything that you require is at home. Life is found at home. Peace is found at home. Joy and a sense of belonging and acceptance is found at home. And the son thinks, if the father is gracious enough, if he were, if he just had just a little bit of grace, surely he would take me home and he would just let me be a worker at home. Would he just let me be a worker at home? I can come back and I'll be his slave. I'll be his hired man because it is always better at home. And so the story continues. So he got up and he started his way back to his father. The son was brave. He's on his way to his father. He could be rejected. That father could say, what are you doing here? But so Jesus continues. But while he was still some distance off, his father saw him and his heart went out to him and he ran and he fell in the neck of his son and kissed him. Do you notice what the father did? The father seems to have more grace than just to take an extra worker. He looks out and he sees his lost son. And this father runs to his son. He breaks every convention. Mothers would run in public, children's would run in public, but never a father. In order to run in public, he would have to pick up his outfit 
and he would run and he would expose his ankles. In Bible times, if you exposed your ankles, it was as good as you being naked. But, for, but, but what, what stands out for me with this father is that normally the inferior come to the superior. Normally the superior one stands still and the inferior runs to him. But Jesus was showing a God who is so gracious, a God who is so eager to take us home that when he sees us coming, he runs to us. He runs to you this morning. You might say, I'm so far away from God. Do you know what God would do when you turn around and come to Jesus? He runs to you. That father could have held his hands on the porch and looked at his son and said, I I'm going to watch you grovel. You, you, you got to grovel your way back home. But the father never did that. There was something wonderful that took place here. The way that the father forgave his son was amazing. And this is what the, the Bible says. And so the father kissed the son. what happened. The father, beauty, kissed the beast. Family, that father could have said to the son, why are you coming home? But notice the kisses of the father came first. Then only did the son speak. It wasn't the, the son that that kind of had to get it all together. It was the kisses of the father that caused the repentance to come from the son. And God reaches out to every single one of us this morning. He reaches out to those of us that have lived our own lives. He reaches out to those of us that have said, I'll never serve God. He reaches out to those of us that have done a whole lot of things that may not be what God would benefit and God would, would say well done to. And God's love reaches out to you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to encourage you this morning. Would you let beauty kiss you? Would you let God reach out to you? Would you let the love of Jesus reach out to you? The love of the Father is so assertive. It's, it's so strong. And it reaches out to every one of us this morning. 
God welcomes you home. You can be part of this glorious homecoming. Home is where you belong. And where is that? It's with Jesus. When Jesus came and he died on the cross, what was he doing? He was making it possible for you this morning to come and be part of this great family. With every head bowed in the conference center, here at the FLC, you might say, I, I, I'm far away from God. I, I, I'm like this young boy that was with the pigs, far removed from God. F friend, there's hope for you this morning. The Father is running to you. He's not running to hit you. He's not running to excommunicate you. He's not running to embarrass you. But He's running to kiss you, to embrace you. That's the love of the Father. You might say, I, I, I'm far away. What can we do? We want to pray with you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. And you say, would you please include me in that prayer at the conference center and here at the FLC? Quickly, wherever you may be, would you quickly lift up your hand and wave it at me? And we're gonna pray in a moment. Thank you, God bless you. Who else this morning would say, yes, that's me. I'm far away, but I hear the Father calling me home in the conference center. As you lift up your hand, we... We include you in that prayer this morning. Is there anybody else that would say yes? Would you please pray with me? Just quickly, if you would lift up your hands and say, yes, that's me. I'm, I'm coming home. I'm coming to the embrace of the Father. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anyone else before we go this morning? Anybody else would say yes? That's me. Quickly, would you wave your hands at me this morning so I can see who's in this prayer? And we're going to pray in a moment. Those of you in the conference center here at the FLC, would you say this with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that God raised you from the dead. And I surrender my life to you, my all to you, and I receive your forgiveness. From this moment forward, I am made new, I am made whole in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen and amen and amen. What an awesome God we serve this morning, family. What a, what a wonderful, forgiving, free to forgive God that we serve. Can we all stand up this morning? As we do that, can I remind you that next week we have a phenomenal service. It's a service with a difference. I know that we've got carols by candlelight happening that evening. And I know that there are many that are saying, oh, well, I wish that I could come. Make sure that you are here on next Sunday morning. It's gonna be absolutely awesome. Can we lift up our hands to the Lord this morning in the conference center? Father, we thank you for these wonderful, wonderful people. I thank you, God, today that you have forgiven us that our sins have been removed, that we are washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. I thank you, Lord, that the, the power of the blood of Jesus 
has not waned, become insignificant, but there is great power in the blood of Jesus. As we go, we understand and we appreciate that we are washed by the precious blood, that we are made whole by the precious blood of Jesus, that you truly have kissed us, and we're living in the afterglow of the kisses of you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for a victorious week, for a triumphant week, for a week of miracles, of signs and wonders. Lord, that you would protect us in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says amen and amen and amen. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next week.